Uh, does it pass the titular line listen, test? Listen, listen, before you get in F-wording it is at the <laughs> listen, freaking wire. Even before, like as soon as I sat down and started doing my notes, we obviously followed this same pattern for every one of our side pieces. I got to this and I went, uh, he is not ready. Because this <sighs> might be, this might be the worst titular line test. No, and I'm <gasps> but best worst. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode number 536 of the podcast. I'm your host, Max McCoy. And I'm your other host, Jamie Bolden. The podcast is a show dedicated to delightful idiocy, and we're committed to educating you on things entertained but do not matter. To find out more about these ICU comatose pursuits, check us out at noxandjamie.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Podcast, and we're on Twitter, The Podcast Pod. Thanks for joining us this week as we are going to be talking about while somebody was sleeping i honestly don't know you, while, while you were what i mean it wouldn't be while i was but see couldn't it be while i was sleeping but it's not from the it's from her perspective so well, that's why you're you're right no you got right. it you got they it, titled I was wrong. it they titled it right they did it they nailed it um okay. so listen this is an a uh, deep dive a cinema side piece that we shared with our friends at the show and our best friends of the show over on patreon last year because listen we're off we're off for the holidays yeah. like we're not here i'm in no pants and i'm watching Season three of Slow Horses. That's, That's what right. I'm doing. Right. We're not going to do a big song, song and dance. We're not going to no. do like lights. We're just listen to the episode. Enjoy your time off. We're going to enjoy our time off. Let's just do this. Okay. Love you. Mean it. <laughs> a lot can happen in three years. Like a chat bot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to this very special birthday episode of Cinema Side Piece. Joining me as always, she could have taken her mother on a cruise with Kathy Lee Gifford. It's Jamie Golden. Uh, I would love to be on a cruise with Kathy Lee. Do you know how amazing that would be to be at a buffet with Kathy Lee Gifford? Kathy Lee Gifford was the only person my publisher was like, you do not talk trash about her. We will cut you off. You will be gone if you try that. She's a power player. She's a power player for sure. I tried to sneak one in to see if they were serious about it and they did. They caught it. They They were like, don't do this again. Don't ever do this. All right, you guys, before we begin, Cinema Side Piece is an episode series where we deep dive movies with equal parts acute, tender love and care and side eye. Now, for this specific episode, we will be discussing 1995's While You Were Sleeping. Jerry, I'm not working Christmas. For Lucy, you're the only one. About family. For Lucy, loneliness was a way of life. Joe Jr.'s still single. Yeah, it's a shocker. But the moment she saw Peter... She became a believer in love at first sight. He was perfect. Then fate stepped in. Mister, there's a train coming. Oh, God, you smell good. Now she's part of his life. He's in a coma. Oh, I was going to marry him. Who's she? She's his fiance. No, no, no. He's just engaged. Part of his family. So glad he found you. You haven't met Jack yet. It's funny. My brother never mentioned you. Which one of the three Stooges was Peter's favorite? Curly. Curl! Ha! He's everybody's favorite. Fact is, you're not really Peter's type. Whose type am I? I like blondes. You like brunettes. What can I say, Peter? I was never envious of anything that you had until now. You have to tell me what to do. I like Jack. Pull the plug. You're sick. I'm sick. You're cheating on a vegetable. Caravan Pictures presents... Sandra Bullock. These are your husband's things. Not my husband! Your fiancé. He's awake! In a film about love at second sight. Who are you? While you were sleeping. And if you want to follow along as we go, uh, you can watch this on The Big D+. Plus. I was the stunned. I didn't realize this was the, the D-plus territory. This is a D movie from the beginning. Incredible. They, like, made it. So, um... Uh, so this movie, 1995, rom-com, directed by John Turtletaub and written by Daniel G. Sullivan and Frederick Lebeau. It stars Sandra Bullock as Lucy, who is a Chicago Transit Authority token collector, and Bill Pullman as Jack, the brother of a man whose life she saves, along with Peter Gallagher as Peter, the man who saves. Uh, there are an extended family. She pretends she's engaged to him while he's in a coma. Hijinks, of course. And Sue, uh, what would you like? Would you like to guess the critic score 
for while you were sleeping on Rotten Tomatoes? Critic score, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 84. 81 percent. Wow. Okay. 62 reviews. And the audience score is 79 percent. Okay. Which is... I'm going to argue trash. This is a fantastic movie. So uh, the critics' consensus was, While You Were Sleeping is built wholly from familiar ingredients, but assembled with such skill and with such a charming performance from Sandra Bullock that it gives formula a good name. This budget, the budget for this film was $17 million. It made $182 million. Ten times its budget. It opened at number one. It was number one for two weeks. It was in the top ten for ten weeks. It was taken down to the second spot by the another rom-com from 1995, French Kiss. Do you know who is in French Kiss? Is Meg Ryan in French Kiss? Yes. I don't know who else is in French Kiss, but I know Meg Ryan. He's a... He's a, he meets her on a plane and convinces her to be basically a petty thief. It's fine. Okay. I um, wish they met on a plane and they French kissed, and that's the movie. And I would think that would be a better premise. Kiss. I don't want to spoil it for everybody. Um, Damn right they, they do. do. I know. So Sandra Bullock was nominated for a Golden Globe for her performance in While You Were Sleeping. She competed against Tony Collette from Muriel's Wedding, which FYI is what should have won. Yeah. Because uh, Tony Collette and Muriel's – and I love this movie, While You Were Sleeping – but Tony Collette and Muriel's Wedding, that is an iconic performance that defines her career, I think. Uh, she was up against Vanessa Redgrave for a month by the lake. No one Okay, can we not is. with Vanessa Redgrave? I don't even care. Thank about you. That. I know. Annette Benning and the American president. Oh, did she just play a, a frustrated journalist? Is that what she played? And then the winner of the Golden Globe was Nicole Kidman in To Die For. Okay. Okay. I don't, I mean, no, no, thank you. No, no, no. They just, the Golden Globes love her. So, um, so this movie, have you, you had never seen it before. Is that right? I'd never, this was the first time in full disclosure. I, uh, what I, what I understood the story to be, I realized where the air was. Okay. Okay. It was, um, sleepless in Seattle. And while you were sleeping, <laughs> there's so much sleep. There's so much reliance on the sleeping right. mechanism that I was confused. So I always thought this was a part of the Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan rom-com trilogy. Oh, right. And like this was just like part of their story together, uh, like in an alternate universe. So when you told me this is Sandra Bullock, this is president from Independence Day, and this is Sandy Cohen, I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about, Jamie. I don't even know what this story is about. <laughs> So this is your first time to see it. This is my birthday choice. Obviously, mm-hmm. we do cinema side pieces in our birthday months. We get to pick what we want. This is this is probably well. First of all, I watched this as a freshman in college. Wow, okay. I'm now going to movies by myself. And listen, that's a big deal because I did not go to movies as a teenager because we lived 45 minutes from the closest movie theater. It's too far. It's too far. My mom's not gonna let me drive on the interstate. Sure. She not, she's like, you are too ADHD to be on the interstate. <laughs> and so I got to see this the spring of my freshman year in college. This movie 100% imprinted on me in every way. I I would put it – it was hard. I was like, I'm going to make – am I going to make a top five list of favorite rom-coms? And I did, and it has uh, – it has – yeah, so it has five movies in it. Uh, Ever After, of course, which okay. we've already done a cinema side piece for. Uh, this, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, I freaking love. Uh, the Cutting Edge, Forever. Oh, it's a good one. Ah, so good. And then Crazy Rich Asians, the only kind of modern one that I have genuinely watched many times and loved every time I watch it. Was oh, that Descending Order? Was that a definitive Descending Order? Or just like, these are top tier? I'm not no, going to give actually, a number to No, good. that's fair. That's a fair question. I actually would put The Cutting Edge as maybe number two. Like oh, I wow. much Ever After is number one. And okay. Some would argue that Ever After is not a rom com. I put it in that category. I say it sticks. But no, I think it's a rom com. Having watched it, I think it's I think it's definitely a rom com. And I'm 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 interested in particularly what imprinted on you because to me, first time viewer this morning, very fresh, feeling very like uh, anew with all of my analysis of this. Um, it is it was successful for the very reason that it didn't really get any uh, award. Um, recognition, which is, I think it's very, um, populist feels like a bad word, but it's very comfortable, very yes. populist and very charming. It's so yes. incredibly charming in a way. And I think it, it really centers around Sandra Bullock, who is inherently a very charming actress. And especially at this point in her career coming off speed, I think she's just like, you're just really interested in what she's doing and how she's doing it. But I think even to her character, 
who is just – I kept waiting for the moment where they're like, actually, um, she is like a uh, prodigy at math and she solves cancer or something. But right. it's like, no, she just works toll booth and wants to go to freaking Florence. And do you know, Jamie, in the screenplay – I read the screenplay to prep for this. Oh, uh, wow. All she wanted to do was like visit Cooperstown and Canton, which are the sites of the football and baseball halls of fame. No. So I would say the movie has improved her aspirations in terms of travel. <laughs> but just like her as a character, I think so many times – and rom-coms, it's like, no, she, th- this needs to be a hard-charging writer or someone who has this great novel, but she just doesn't have the time for her love life or her talents. But it's like, she's just, no, a decent person. That's her superpower. Yeah. It's just yeah. she's a really decent person. So I think that's exactly why it imprinted on me. I had experienced my own self, my first experiences with uh, public transit, MARTA, mm-hmm. in Atlanta mm-hmm. while I was in college. I thought she has she is an ordinary person. She doesn't have to be secretly hot. Even right. though obviously Sandra Bullock is very hot, but she doesn't like super become hot in this. You know, no. she lives in an apartment by herself, which was like all I dreamed of was like I loved my roommates, but I was like, one day I'll live by myself. Yeah. This will be so exciting. And the fact that he was just a guy who was really good at, you know, woodworking. That seems yeah. sexy to me. And the family, I have a very loud, crazy family. And so I obviously very much connected to that. And I love the grandmother so much. Like, we'll yes. get to that. But I, my grandmother had died just a few years earlier. And so it just very much felt precious to me and that it felt realistic. Whereas other, it's like, I'm not going to get to experience a pretty woman because I am not going to become a sex worker. Probably, maybe my life's not over. Who knows <laughs> right. what will happen? Right. But I, that's why I think it was so, this movie, why? And again, I just love, listen, this is PG. Like when I turned it on, D- Disney literally said, uh, rated PG for tobacco elements. Oh yeah. Because yeah. Uh, Saul likes the stogie. Yeah, and he puts on Santa's head. Speaking of Chekhov's stogie, I don't uh, think we ever yeah. come back to that. So that's uh, yeah. a mystery. Yeah. But yeah, you're right because I, uh, for Halloween, you know, uh, my son, he's at the place where he's uh, about to be 14. So it's like, I don't really want to trick or treat. Um, and I don't yeah. really like want to weirdly walk with you guys while my siblings trick or treat. So he was like, I'll do some cursory family stuff and then I'd like to go home. And I was like, well, I'll go with you and we'll just start a tradition of we'll watch scary movies. Like I'll, oh, I'll introduce you to, you know, Halloween scary movies. So the first one, uh, since we're uh, the fear aspect, I'm still trying to get on the spectrum where he's at. I was like, we'll start with tense. So I showed him get out. I was like, this will be great. There's, oh. I know there's no sex. I know yeah. there's a little bit of language. turns out there's a lot of language yeah, that I forgot about. Okay. There's like a whole extended scene where, um, uh, uh Chris's friend, Daniel Kaluuya's friend, is it Lil Rel Howery? Yeah. Uh, yes. He talks about having sex, <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer having sex with people's heads. And I was like, man, this is timely. This is just not appropriate. <laughs> This is just not appropriate. But you're right. You could you could let while you're sleeping blaze and no one's gonna be offended. No and that's one. a really lovely, kind of beautiful thing. You know? It is, it is. So I I am a huge fan. Huge But fan. I think even to uh to go back to uh Sandra Bullock, because you know, she this is nineteen ninety five. She's done speed nineteen ninety four. She follows this up in nineteen ninety five with the net, which, which is, is which is good. No, yes. Okay, it's uh, not, maybe only I love it. I think it's 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 a fine movie, but you can't watch it anymore because you're like, no. what is like the medieval times? Like, what are you talking about? Is that a with your dialogue? Disc? What <laughs> is happening? It just feels like it's in a different world. Uh, and then uh, she goes 1996, A Time to Kill, uh, and then 19. I'm going to skip over Speed Two, Cruise Control, for obvious no, reasons. What? Don't ever look. Don't ever skip that, Jason Isaacs. Come on. And then she like uh, formally accepts her role in the rom-com universe with Hope Floats, playing a girl named Bertie Prue, oh, which is iconic yeah. rom-com naming. But this is a pretty impressive run, and I think a lot of it has to be, which I'm sure we'll talk about in uh, 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 facts about this movie. She is gobbling up all of the roles that some of the more prestige actresses at, her, at this point in their careers uh, don't want to take. So you're right. Nicole Kidman's, you're Julia Roberts, you've got the every woman Julia Roberts here with Sandra Bullock. And the thing you're talking about, uh, she's she looks like she could work in a toll booth. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to her or to people who work in a toll booth. Yeah. But it's just the the ability for her to raise or lower her attractiveness realistically. Whereas a Nicole Kidman, and I think they talked about this in the oral history I read. You couldn't put Nicole Kidman in a toll booth. She just doesn't look like she no, would be there. No. It's ridiculous. So, let, so let's talk about it. So when they wrote this film, the the role of Lucy was wildly competitive. Mm-hmm. And when uh, the screenwriters had already written the spec script, 
we'll get to the story of how that came to be in the fun facts. But Gina Davis was already attached to the project, starring opposite Harrison Ford. Right. Which is cuckoo town in my own head. Yes. <laughs> like Harrison Ford. And so they – so when John Turtletop is – uh, picked as the director because Christopher Columbus, director of Home Alone, was supposed right. to direct it. And then right. he was just like, they've cut the budget. I wanted a $30 million budget. It's now 17. I can't make this film anymore. Yeah. And so he bounced. They get John Cool Runnings, director. Right. Yeah. Who like, ends up making this. And he was like, and immediately Gina and Harrison leave the project. They're like, they did. absolutely not. Before you move on, are you being disrespectful about Cool Runnings? Are you just saying no, no, no. in terms I'm of the saying, hierarchy? No, of course I'm not. Okay, because cool I will is, throw down and fight you no, right cool now. No, Cool Runnings is, of course, a okay, spectacle <laughs> that everyone should watch all the time. Also on Disney, probably, right? That's right, yeah, yes. Also on yeah. Disney. So, but I, I like that they were like, uh, no, thank you. We're not yeah. going to go. And so Gina Davis goes and makes Cutthroat Island. Yep. Maybe one of, next to, uh, what's the, what's the uh, Riggins... Uh, desert movie. Oh, um, I'm gonna, I'm a John, John. It's like John from Mars. John Carter. John, John Carter. Carter. Okay, John from Mars though. Better title. I'm Immediately. I'm much. <laughs> wasn't Matt Damon in that? Okay, but she goes to make Cutthroat Island, one of the biggest flops of all time. Okay, yeah. he goes. Here's a board goes to make Sabrina, which is great, but he's super old in that. Like he's yeah. old. Yeah. And that, so I can't imagine him playing Bill Pullman. So then they go, okay, we gave it to Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan goes, her production company was like, Meg Ryan's, because originally the script was the woman was in the coma. That's and right. Like, Meg Ryan's not going to be in a coma. Yeah. And she's so, not going to lay on a, a gurney for your movie. Are you kidding me? She's not going to do that. So, but Meg Ryan, she goes to make French Kiss, which actually works in her favor. She, it's a garbage film. Please yep. hear me, guys. It's a garbage film, but it does win the box office the next week, the next two weeks. Then Demi Moore is in contract. She leaves because she's like they couldn't get, they couldn't get to a price point, and again mm. the budget was so tight. She goes to make the Scarlet Letter, another failure at best. Yeah, and I think yeah. that that's a uh, a bullet dodged because Demi Moore doesn't have the requisite um, every woman charm. She oh, and no. she is too, you can't see her in a toll booth. You know, you, no. I just, that's not realistic to me. And then Julia Roberts is offered the role. She turns mm-hmm. it down because she wants to make something to talk about, y'all. Not good. Kira no. Sedgwick is oh, the only good thing in that film. Yeah. Is Kira. And then finally, they go to Nicole Kidman, and the screenwriters really pushed back on it, and the director really pushed back on it because they're like, you cannot make, like you said, you cannot make Nicole Kidman ugly. So she goes to make Batman Forever. So all these A list actresses that turned down this role, they really made a, f- a, they really failed because of what they went to make instead. And uh, I think for Sandra Bullock, who says in that same oral history, which we'll link to in the show notes, in that, in that oral history, she says, I will thank Demi, Demi Moore forever. Yeah. Because this ended up, this was her career. This was, yeah. even though speed was important, this is really like, this makes more money than speed. This makes more, I mean, like it is, she gets a Golden Globe nomination. She gets, people know who she is really like know who she is. Well, and and I think even more importantly, it grounds her in a story in a movie setting that isn't reliant upon a bus staying at a certain miles per hour or <laughs> legal proceedings where she's going to be sweaty with Matthew McConaughey or some yeah. or some other hot actor. Right, it's right, just like right. this is a story that's uh, overly reliant on relationships and emotion and small moments. And she, I think, she showcases that she really thrives uh, in the story. So I think it's it's completely you're exactly right. It's completely necessary for the trajectory of her career going forward. Um, and it's just so fascinating to think about the what ifs. If any of those other actresses oh. had taken this instead of her, I don't I know. know that we get the Sandra Bullock that we have uh, today. Um, so uh, overwhelmingly, before we get to the superlatives, I, I did see uh, the Raj, uh, Roger Ebert, he reviewed this. He gave it three stars. So he liked it, didn't love it, liked it. Um, and he said uh, basically what he was talking about was there aren't many movie actors uh, we simply like. Marilyn Monroe was one in that quality. Uh, not sex appeals, why she remains such a durable memory. On the basis of speed and while you're sleeping, Sandra Bullock may be another. She plays Lucy in a low-key uh, as a shy, unassertive young woman. And so, of course, late in the film, when she has to stand up for herself, we're proud of her. She makes us feel protective of her. And Bill Pullman has charisma, too. He's got the right chemistry for this love story, which is about sweetness more than it's about passion. And I think that line distills this movie, why it's so good. It's not about passion. It's not about big sweeping moments or like hip thrusts or pelvic thrusting or French kissing on an airplane. It's just about two people... We generally want to like, they make us like them more and they end up together. And that's nice. 
That no, it's so nice. Listen, I saw Sandra Bullock in she's in a uh, an Instagram story with Jennifer Aniston. Okay. They are carving pumpkins, and Great. Jennifer Aniston is taking it so seriously <laughs> because she is so adamant that this not rot. And so at the end, Sandra Bullock comes in and because because <laughs> Jennifer Aniston is put, putting Vaseline around the where you've carved, right, so that it won't rot or whatever. Of and then Sandra Bullock is like, oh, you want to you want to put cinnamon in it. It'll take the smell out. And she goes uh, – and then she looks at the camera. The cinnamon, it removes the smell from the hole. Wink. And I was like, gosh, she's so great. I kind of love her. Incredible. I love her so much. I love That's her. what I'm looking for in a person. I really, right. I really right. love that. But, you know, uh, my note about watching this was this felt like the emotional cousin to Anna's childhood in Frozen. <laughs> Where she just wants to be—I don't even know yeah. that she wants to like uh, be in love, but she she falls in love with the wrong person because she's so eager for love. Yeah, and then it also does a little hezzy hay with the family stone, you know, oh, of like, a little does. brother misdirect, yeah. no, and that's beautiful. That's a great formula. I really yeah. love that. Um, okay, so let's do let's do some superlatives here. Uh, I want to start with who won the movie for you? Okay, it is Sandy B, and I've already—I you know we've already talked about that, but here's why I like her in this role. First, she's a brunette. You don't get a lot of brunettes at this time in history in rom-coms. It's redheads and blondes. It's just, there's just like, a brunette can find love. This is so yeah. shocking. Disgusting. Um, also, Sandra Bullock in this role is 31. Wow. I love that she's not a spinster. She's not an ingenue. She's like, what? I'm 31. I have a yeah. job. I'm single. You just didn't see people. The only reason people were single in their 30s is because they just work too hard and don't make enough time for love. And so I like that. Her chemistry with Bill Pullman is iconic to me. It's good. It's really good. And then I like she in that oral history, Sandra Bullock says this. She goes, it was the most fun I ever had on a film when we got off work. We would all find a local dancing place or a place to eat. We would slide dance and have scattergories parties or just do dumb stuff. Where did I get the energy? I don't think I ever slept. Everything about that experience was magical. Look, and it, it, I feel like it's reflected a little bit because it feels like um, I think a lot of movies do some. Uh, a lot of movies will take uh, X amount of people. And they get all the moments. They get all the big uh, lines. They all, they get all like the pivotal scenes. I feel like this is really spread out. So you have nice little moments, even with all the members of the family. There's nice little one-off scenes with each other. And I think you can kind of see that, uh, you know, you can't read into like the the health of a set all the time. But this felt like you could see that come through of like genuine um, affection for each other. Yes. Not not just on the page, but off the page as well. Um, I You know. At first, I wanted to put uh, Sandy Cohen, Peter Gallagher here, because he is uh, he does get that. I'm just going to be kind of a dead body for most of this. Um, those eyebrows are doing great. Um, he's really like he, good. He's really good in a coma. I think I think that's it's it's hard to be in a coma, but he does a great job. I would say, but I also like it because just for him personally, because it's kind of like mm, uh, Rachel McAdams in the Hot Chick. I think where Rob Schneider takes over her body and yeah. hangs out with Anna Ferris. Like it's actually kind of decent work if you can get it, you know, get that paycheck because you're in the movie and you're not really in the movie. Oh. But I actually, I want to give it to uh family crosstalk like that, that dynamic. Oh, it's, it's magical. my favorite thing to, to write, to read, to watch. And I think it's, it's a lot of it is because family crosstalk is this characterization tornado that can um, just like swirl indiscriminately through a scene and what said is entertaining, right? Like watching Saul and the, the grandma and Ox go back and forth and not be talking about the same thing, but kind of be talking about the same thing. It's yeah. very entertaining. But the tempo and the volume of it, it means that the main characters like uh, Bill Pullman and Sandra Bullock can't really do anything. So th we have to watch them. They can't tell us anything about the relationship. We have to be shown things about the relationship. So I always love that. And I also think – Crosstalk, banter, all that stuff, that is a great subtle way to communicate um, intimacy and closeness yes, yes. without having to say, Ox, we've been friends for 40 years and I think you're wrong about this. No, it can just be <laughs> the stupid argument about John Wayne's height versus Dustin Hoffman's height. And I, I just love it so much. It's so well done in this movie. And especially because we, that's the beautiful kind of conversation where you don't get mad. It's like he never played the trombone. And it's like I didn't say he played the trombone. But it's you're just moving so fast. It's like yeah. so matter of fact. And that's I love I love that too. I and, and I think uh, in a movie that is built around someone who longing for connection and closeness and family, when you see that whirling dervish of a family uh, unit who comes in, and it's just I, I I can resonate with that because sometimes. 
different family members will come in and you know you're in for one kind of experience. And it's going to be kids doing this, some kid trying to jump in your pool. They can't swim. So you're having to engage, but you're also having to watch. And I just like that reflected on uh, in this movie. I think it's really, really uh, no, it's well done. Really Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. I might not be as good as Nostradamus at predicting the future, but I do love taking my knowledge of the past and trying to figure out how it's going to affect the present and future. Whatever your vision is for this year, let Pear Eyewear bring things into focus for you. Do you get it? Don't stay stuck in the past with the same old glasses you've had since high school. That was literally me. Pear Eyewear allows you to change up your look in a snap and with face frames starting at just $60, including your prescription. They're not just convenient, they're also super affordable. I'm always so excited to see what new frames pair has available, especially for my big head. I just checked their website and they have a new Y2K Revival collection. The frames are so fun. Pair always does a great job of having a mix of loud, fun frames, and of course, more subtle looks to match anyone's personality. The Millennium Twill Plaid is both subtle and colorful and absolutely adorable. Their new Easter collection has a white pearlescent top frame and one called the Blush that is truly bringing you back memories of frilly dresses, white patent leather shoes, and celebrating Easter Sunday with Chuck and Chan in all the best ways. Their virtual try-on is a super convenient way to find the right fit for you. And with free standard shipping and a flexible 30-day return policy, you have nothing to lose. Visualize a fantastic new year with Pear Eyewear. Go to PearEyewear.com and use code POP for 15% off your first pair. And support the show by mentioning that the podcast sent you in their post-checkout survey. That's Pear, P-A-I-R, Eyewear.com, code POP. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As spring draws near, time can feel like such a construct. Are we going to be springing forward or is it falling back? I'm always hoping it's falling back because who doesn't want an extra hour added to their day? But then the question becomes, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? Figuring out what's important to you is the first step in making it a priority, and therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. It might sound like a catch-22, but making therapy a consistent priority has been the catalyst in giving me so much of my time back. Not only has therapy helped me identify my priorities, but it's also given me the skills to enforce boundaries around my time. If, like me, you wish you had more time, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is entirely online and is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Even getting started is super simple. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and they'll do the work of matching you with a licensed therapist, and you have the option to switch therapists at any time for no additional costs. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com popcastpod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash podcast pod. Uh, who lost a movie for you? Well, it's actually, you know, I love this movie, so I find no fault in it at all. Okay. However, yeah. however, there was one line in the film that did not hold up, like truly did not hold up. Um, and it's the line when they are, you know, they're flirting on the ice and they're blah, blah, blah. And then uh, he rips his pants, you know, and she's like, if you can, f-, he says, you know, I can oh, wear yeah. some pants. And she says, if you can fit in my pants, I'll kill myself. I'll kill myself. And that's okay. in the script as well. I okay. found that in the script Calm as well. Calm down, Lucy. God. And the fact that two men wrote that line, and unfortunately, this was the 90s where you were wearing low-rise pants and they were very tight. And you could, you were not allowed to have hips of any kind whatsoever as a no. woman. So I get the timing, the timeline of this, like that fits very much with the narrative. But I don't, of course, I, I don't think if a man can fit in your pants that it, that is worthy of death by suicide. Yeah, literally, yeah. not metaphorically, not sexually right. speaking. Right. You know, the weird thing in the script too is the the uh, sister, um, Jack and. Uh, Sandy Mary. Cohen's sister. Mary. Yes. She is uh, younger and she is obsessed with football. So for Christmas, she gets like a Jets helmet. She wants to play football. And oh. Ox is pissed about it. But everyone else is like, let her live. Like, it's okay. It's the 90s, bro. And so it's really, <laughs> it's really interesting how they, uh, how they do that. Um, I'm going to choose – okay, I, I have a couple. I'm going to do um, Chicago tourism marketing in the 90s. I feel like it was, it was very lacking because it was just like hot dogs, cold weather, the Cubs, Chicago. That was it. We have our own flag. 
Like there, it was nothing. Like I feel like Chicago does a much better job now of making me want to go there. This movie didn't really make me want to go to Chicago necessarily. Well, and the original this movie was set in New York. They that's right. cut the budget so much that they could no longer film in New York, and so they filmed it in Chicago. And look, you know, oh, that's what it is. I I was thinking. What's the other rom-com that I love in Chicago? And it's number six on my list of favorite rom-coms. And that is uh, Return to Me, oh. Minnie Driver, David Duchovny, okay. The Heart Transplant. We will do it next year for my okay. birthday. I was going to say, I, would never, I, I was never going to suggest that for you. Uh, so I was not going to be helpful in, in you trying to figure that out. <laughs> no, you would never know that. But it's set in Chicago. So yes, the Chicago does not win in the, look yeah. how cold it is. And when they filmed this, it was a, a heat wave. And they were like... Uh, we were making everybody – we had to bring in fra- fake snow. Because yeah, because they were like, we'll just roll on the seasons. Well, actually, it's sort of – because it's like, it's, it's like trains, wolfies, hot dog, cubs. That's really the extent of it. That's it. Um, so they need some work. I, I also want to say this didn't lose it, but it made me think about saying it lost it. Okay. And it's the uh, miscommunication uh, trope. I, I generally don't like movies or stories that rely upon – a fundamental miscommunication that if someone just had like one cocktail and it was late at night, everything would be cleared up very quickly. Right. Um, but I feel like they handle it well. We'll talk about that in a second. But I feel it's a very Shakespearean gimmick. So I understand um, that it's very pervasive. Tell but at first I was like, man, I just do I want to do the thing where I hear something. And, you know, I, I think, too, it's probably more of a modern sensibility of having an allergy uh, allergy to that, because even though like there's a, there's a subplot where Ashley Bartlett Bacon We'll get to that name, which is yeah. Chef's Kiss. Right. Um, she's trying to get in touch and she can't. And that's real, right? That right. that feels strange to me now because that's not a real thing we deal with now. So I do give it more grace in the 90s where miscommunication, actually, that could kind of develop and, and form a life of its own. So, well, And also a woman who doesn't really interact, even though she's with the public every day, she doesn't really interact. She has no yeah. family. She's just talking to Joe Jr. and his dad. Like – I mean, she's friendly because other people say, hi, Lucy, hi, Lucy. But you could see where she would be like, I am awkward. I don't want to say and I don't want to correct and I'll just leave yeah. and pretend none of this ever happened. No, like, and, and that's that's really um, – at first it was like, I don't – oh, I don't I don't know about this. And then um, it was the, the scene in the hospital where it actually yeah. goes down. Yeah. And I thought, okay, number one, I know she's the Enneagram 9. So that's helpful to know. <laughs> number two – um, the way they, they, uh, uh, attached and packaged the elderly health with the revelations. Yes. I thought that's actually a really great, uh, get out of jail card for having some problems with the storyline because I do believe I, I can just see that. And it was very quick and it was finesse and it was nuanced and it got out of there f- pretty fast. So you didn't linger on it. So I came around on it. I feel like it was okay, well good. executed. Okay. Uh, but the last one, uh, I, I want to say, um, L to the, the, to the cat ladies out there. Because it did portray this as like, you know, if you have a cat and you're 30 plus yeah. and you eat TV dinners, you it's not a great uh, looking opportunity for you. Even though I, I do, I feel like they go to work to try to redeem the personhood of uh, Sandra Bullock. But there is like a man, she's desperate to find something or get out of her life because it's so terrible. When I think more of that is about, it's not about the cat and the singleness and, and the aloneness. It's about the settling for something that you know you don't prefer. No, right? exactly. Well, and fun fact, uh, Sandra Bullock, she improved when Lucy dips her Oreo in her cat's milk. <laughs> That's she awesome. She improved that. And she said, I'm highly allergic to cats, so all my cat work is when I'm heavily medicated on Benadryl, so it gets weird <laughs> fast. <laughs> sure. I can understand that. I can totally relate with that. Um, Loki MVP. Uh, well, no, let me ask this. Let me ask this. I, I had this down, and I didn't know, I didn't know if I would include it, but okay. proposing to someone in front of your family – is that greater than, less than, or equal to proposing to someone at their work? Oh, it's greater than. Okay. So that's good. You want people to propose with their families. No, 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 no. It. I'm just saying oh, okay. greater than the work thing. Okay. I don't want either of them to happen that way. I don't either. No, thank right? you. Right? But listen, there are a lot of people who I – like I think of Bachelor, Bachelor alum Madison Pruitt, now Trout. Yeah. She got engaged in front of her entire family on the beach. No. That's the, no. the if you're listening out there and you're thinking about proposing or maybe it's going to happen in the future, um, I would say this is a great time to set boundaries. And it's like, hey, mom and dad, you're going to yeah. be over here. This is my time with your daughter or my time with your son or whatever. You know? I would be interested if there's a direct correlation with how much virginity is in the relationship. Oh, yeah. And how many family members show up for the engagement. maximum virginity, maximum family <laughs> load. That's just yeah. what it is. You're exactly okay. right. Uh, Loki MVP for you. 
Well, listen, it's Glenna Shans, of course. Listen, she's Mrs. Banks from Mary Poppins, my favorite movie of all time. Uh, listen, that bee is still alive. She's not what? done. Yeah. What? Everybody else is dead. Everybody else is dead. <laughs> <laughs> in the the older group. And I cannot she, believe that. She is alive. She's actually the oldest living and longest surviving Academy Award nominee. Which it had five had four husbands, one fiance, like extra bonus. But I love her in this because they give her just great dialogue. Yeah. And she just shows up and is like, I'm just gonna deliver this as dryly as possible and act like and she really embodies that grandma that you're like uh oh grandma's talking like uh oh yep. like keep her in but check you know what you know why i liked it more than the usual manifestations is there was a grace and elegance to it yes. with like she she reminds me of uh, uh elena from game of thrones a little bit oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. where she's not gonna be coarse or weird it's all gonna be top shelf stuff that she's dealing yeah. and i i just it it, it just feels like Everything she was in, there was an alley-oop for her, and she would tomahawk slam and just walk away. And I'd love the way they used her. And she's so always much super dressed up, whereas no one else is dressed up. And she's That's always right. like, I have a hat and gloves, and it's great. Yeah. I also will give a uh, – like, Peter Gallagher, I, I just think he's great in this. He's great. Weirdly, he plays this role – because it easily could have been a one-off of he's an a-hole, yep. and now you know he's an a-hole. Because like when she's looking through his wallet, you can see, and that shows you why she should have gotten like even more awards. When she goes through his wallet and she stops on the photos, the two photos of himself, yes. and she just you can see her going, "I'm just going to pretend that that is not a thing, and I'm going <laughs> to focus on what's in the bag. Like I'm going to close this wallet because yeah. that tells you a lot about him." Without Again, showing you. versus telling. Exactly no, right. It's so yeah. good. But I read that uh, Peter Gallagher said, he said, I just would fall asleep intentionally. Like yeah. I would fall asleep because he said, I didn't want to be too tired so that I didn't like snore or make any weird sounds. But he said, uh, if I was going to be in a coma, I was going to be out. If that was the only thing I had to do, I was going to try to do it. And they said consistently he would just fall asleep. Look, I love it. I do think he's a little bit of a coward because if this is Dan J. Lewis, he would have like freaking put himself in a medically induced coma. True. But, you know, Fair. Sandy Cohen's got a Sandy Cohen. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I appreciate the the work he's brought to this. Um, I had the uh, – I really like the – I don't know if it's a doctor or an intern. In the script, it calls him an intern, but it makes him look like a doctor that is adamant about Sandra Bullock will not get to his will not get in. room. It's just not going to happen. And, and I feel the- like in Grey's and ER, all doctors are doing are drugs or getting it in with each other. <laughs> but this guy – is like, no, room protocol first over everything. And the older doctor who's like, shut shut up, that yeah. is John and uh, Joan Cusack's dad. Are you serious? Yep. I like that. Like, I like that uh, Peter Gallagher comes out of the coma and he, maybe he has amnesia. Maybe he likes jello. Maybe he doesn't. He's like, you know what? Let's just all leave for the day. Let's go. This guy just woke up, but we're out of here. Let's go. Yes, Incredible. Yes. I also want to give, I don't know if you noticed this, but the commitment to, you know, like the cinematic um, atmospheric shots of like, it, it, it's almost like the, um, uh, we're going to, we're, we're showing you we're in Chicago and then we're going to get into the scene. But first we're going to do like, here's the ice skating. Here's the Cubs. Here's whatever. And twice, I, there might've been a third, but at least twice when they were doing the cinematic atmospheric shots, you see a guy bust it on the skating rink or like the ice skating rink at yeah. the beginning and then later on it's the male guy uh busted on the sidewalk the, i love the, the commitment to showing people falling on their butts because you don't normally get that and i think that's really like genuinely well, and the paper boy the so that uh, uh that fell, yeah sorry like, it's paper boy not the male no, it's paper boy you're right no 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 but the paper boy that he oh it's almost like he overacted he was not meant to throw that paper <laughs> so aggressively and his fall was an accident and he actually broke his wrist are you <laughs> <laughs> Because my man is winging it. He is yeah, winging no, he's it. Aggressive. He's like, this is my one shot. Well, see, because don't I, let me down. I saw that and I was like, so we're going to get a third, right? Because comedy rule three is you're going to get the third person fall down like in the background or something. And we right. never got it that I saw. I don't know if I missed it, but I just, I like that they include that because it's supposed to be very placid, very unassuming, but we're just gently getting, getting you to a scene. Um, but to have people falling in the background, that's just a gift. Thank you, no, John Turtle. It Tom. is a gift. Uh, best scene for you. So obviously I loved all the dinner scenes, but I will give extra credit to the wedding scene, mm. mainly because she's giving this monologue. They're still interrupting her. The fact that uh, Ox, she's like, I've been falling in love with you. And he's like, you're falling in love with me. I don't know why. Like this the chaos. You've got Ashley Bartlett Bacon coming yeah. in. You've got everybody there. He's on an IV bag yep. trying to get married. And, and it's just a, it's a chaotic energy that 
almost felt like a symphony, like the way that, that it was orchestrated, like truly. It really did. It really and did. And I loved, I loved that scene. So. Any movie where there's a wedding scene, I'm in. I'm all in yeah. all the time, even though yeah. this is a stripped down wedding. Uh, I'm going to go to the fa- – it's the – I guess it's the second family dinner scene. Um, I kind of mentioned it earlier uh, where there's a lot of crosstalk, but Jack and uh, Lucy are there together for yeah. the first time. And they've done their big walk through Chicago, so they know they're kind of into each other. But I just like that – they it starts off and they ask Lucy about her honeymoon, and it immediately gets hijacked. She immediately like she does not even give a chance to answer. They start talking about Cuba. They start talking about the heights of leading men, and then uh, uh, Jack and Peter uh, and Mary's mom start really pushing the envelope on creamy mashed potatoes. Which I the word creamy makes me just like I hate the word creamy. So her adamant. Uh, the 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 way she's so adamant about wanting to talk about how creamy these freaking mashed potatoes were is incredible. And there's also like some slight Oedipal stuff with Jack saying. The only women I prefer are chubby blondes. Right. And his mom takes that as like, incredible. Thank you. Thank you, son. I'm affirmed by that. <laughs> I rewound that to rewatch. I was like, wait, what have I missed? <laughs> no, it's, it is for sure the best. Because the, the fact that they're just fighting about yeah. the heights. I'm like, yeah. he was not short. You yeah. don't want a short. What was the movie? He was like, you don't want a short man saving the Alamo. You like, don't, yeah. <laughs> you don't want Dustin Diamond storming the Alamo. Aww. He's right. You're exactly right. It's great. I wanted to ask, what's your favorite potato? What's your favorite foreign potato? Can't say fries. Has to be something else. You like creamy mashed potatoes? No, twice baked potatoes. Twice baked is good. I'm a scalloped myself, scallop man. Really? I would never in a million years have and not that. not this like I half put this in the oven and it's still I want it like crusty, burnt, right, right, close. Right. You know what I mean? No. That's that's the that's the kind of like nuts. Yeah, okay. it's not even an argument. It's not even a conversation for me. Uh, Jamie, does your favorite movie <laughs> pass the Bechdel test? Listen. Barely, but yeah. Okay, good. So, good. As a reminder, this is Alison Bechtel. She created this test. You talk about the representation of women on film and in TV. No, rule number one is has to have at least two named women in it. There are 17 named characters in this film, and nine of them are women. Mm. Okay, the second rule is they have to talk to each other. Yes, several times. Mary's talking to her mom. Uh, you know, uh, Sandra Bullock is talking to Celeste, her friend. Yes, her black friend. That's right. We'll get there. She's got a couple um, black friends, I think. I, she does. Well, yeah. she has a black coworker. She has yeah. really. She just has black coworkers. That's she has she black has. coworkers, but they're friendly. She does <laughs> go to their house. She does right? go to their parties. Yeah. Um, and then yes, the women in the Callahan family do talk to each other about things that are not about a man getting yes. ears pierced, how much grandma drinks. <laughs> <laughs> so officially, yes. Obviously, this is a rom-com, so rom-coms rarely pass Bechdel tests, right? Like ever. And so there's a there's a trend on TikTok right now where women talk about how they pass the Bechdel test with another oh, woman. Okay. And my favorite one is the woman going, "I went to the uh, OBGYN today <laughs> about pain, and then she said I needed to lose weight, and okay. I was like, we passed the Bechdel test, didn't we? And so, incredible, it was incredible." incredible. It's very easy, yeah. Uh, does it pass the Latif test? So the Latif test is to look at how people of color are represented on screen. It comes from Leela and Nadia Latif. The first question is, are there two named characters of color? Yes, this movie has 17 named characters, and two of them are people of color, Jerry, Lucy's boss, and her friend slash coworker, Celeste. Do Jerry and Celeste have dialogue? No, they do not. Mm. No, they do not. So that's the end of the Latif test. So it, it, does, it does not pass. And you know, you know what I like um, in the in the movie, um, they're always she's always running into Jerry at the hot dog stand, right? Oh, right. <laughs> in the script, it's chock full of nuts. They keep freaking lighting up chock full of nuts. That's what they're going for. Like, and not only that, but Lucy doesn't get nuts at chock full of nuts. She tries to order tuna sandwiches, <gasps> and she always apologizes when she does it, and it is incredible. <laughs> You're <laughs> not going to eat tuna sandwiches and then get in a booth with another coworker. I don't know. It's wild. It's Yikes. a wild time. Yeah. Uh, does it pass the titular line listen, test? Listen, you before G-G-F you get in, wording it is at the <laughs> listen, freaking wire. Even before, like as soon as I sat down and started doing my notes, we obviously followed this same pattern for every one of our side pieces. I got to this and I went, "Uh, he is not ready because this <sighs> might be this might be the worst." Titular line test. No, and I'm <gasps> but best worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's it's literally the last four words of How dare the... you? How dare you? Retract all of that or I quit. Like I I, I loved it. I thought it was I don't know. It was like th- they went VO at the top. 
And at first when they were doing VO in the orange cell, I was like, what the, what the hell is this? What am I watching? And then they get away from it. And then they come back to it. And she just drops that line in there. And I was like, that's, be- that's poetry. That's modern poetry. That's what I'm hearing right now. So I loved it. We differ on that. That's okay. That's okay. But I loved no, it. I lo- I, it was so good. It was good to me. Listen, it was so bad. It was good to you. It's not that it's bad. It's just so cliche to be like, we've never said it. And yeah. just for science's sake, he's not sleeping. He's sure. in a coma. Yeah. I mean, sleep. you know, depending on when you ask people in certain time periods, they would say sleeping, but who knows? Nuance, that's you know, right, whatever. That's right. That's right. Does someone save the cat? Yeah. Yeah. She literally saves Sandy Cohen. Okay. It's perfect. <laughs> you was better than the cat, Jamie? Sandy Cohen, saving him off those no, tracks. Did important. you see the thing where it said the, the way they shot that was um, they roll, they did the train back. They basically ran it backwards. So it was yes. the train leaving and they rolled out of it. I thought that was genius. I would have never thought of that. Right. And the Chicago Transit Authority had never, ever shut down a station to let anyone film there up until this point. And this, they made an exception for this. And so and it, it's a whole thing because uh, the track is electrified at certain points and not at other points so that that was why they were kind of worried about it but very fascinating to uh, read uh, is there checkoffs anything uh, i counted two there's a checkoffs ashley bartlett bacon which um <laughs> i love i just again love the name and I, in the script they really treat her like a super predator because yeah. they keep doing shots of her traveling back like the answering machine she's on the plane where i swear to god i swear to god a flight attendant says miss bacon do you want eggs or cereal for your breakfast? And like, come on, what are you doing right now, no, you scriptwriters? No, that's not right. Come on. Did you, did you notice the scriptwriters or the screenwriters? They didn't do anything else. This was it. Okay. This was all they so, did. So I saw that fun fact a ton that they were like, "This is the last time they wrote." That is not accurate. This is what these are the actual in an interview. This is what they said. They said um, we were approached about a sequel. At the time, they immediately said we had to come up with a follow-up. We said there's nowhere to go. One of the studio people said if we could come up with a good angle, they'd buy us each a car. (laughs) And then he said, then we were huge. We either sold or were commissioned, and we wrote 14 screenplays. What? And none of them, none of them were made. And he said, and then we never worked again. Okay, because literally, like, for credits, one guy appeared in, like, some zombie weird thing. But that's it. And it got to the point where, because I'm I'm looking on – uh, uh, Wikipedia, I'm looking on uh, all the news sites and it gets so tied into the movie that it's hard to like dissemi- uh, disseminate what's what. But um, I assume they died like very quickly after this movie because literally nothing is made. And that's no. just so strange. And he said, he goes on, I didn't, I didn't uh, copy and paste this quote, but he goes on in that interview and he says, the thing is when you're hot, you're going to get commissioned to write tons of screenplays he said but then if none of those get made you're dead like no one's going to come to you after five years he said so for five years we wrote 14 screenplays and we're paid to do it but it was nobody those just sat and he said they're just gathering dust on studio shelves it's sad but it's part of the work it's so strange because when i read through there's so much of this that is you know anytime you take it from a script to the shooting like things things change just for viability but um so much of it is literally word for word like even some of the best scenes the monologues are word for word so it's not oh, like it really? changed that much uh but we, we so we have the check the ashley barlow bacon checkoffs and we have the checkoffs guy in a coma so guy falls in a coma in the first act he's waking up in the third act that's just what it is so that's uh, the definition of a checkoffs anything that's right uh biggest reach for you in this movie well, the fact that Mary Callahan exists at 16 and okay. her brothers are a respective 42 and 40. Right. Um, and I'm not saying that you don't have surprise babies later. I actually have friends who had surprise babies in their 40s. And uh, but it just feels like, God, 20, 20, 24 years. You've been married 24 years and you're just suddenly having a third baby. That's And it's – I'm trying to rationalize why, and I think part of it is the pregnancy revelation. Like it needs to be a younger kid who would blurt that out and not respect yeah. her privacy. But I feel like there's a way to work around that. Like you don't need a kid well, in this it's movie. A, it's a reach, but I do like that she's sure. young and connected to her connect, – connects to Lucy in that way. The other one is uh, not on any planet would you carry your passport with you all the time. You're no. just not going to do that. You're not going to do that. I actually you know do that myself. Uh, uh, well, and I know right that's now, psycho- you Right now, you have your passport on you right now. I can get to in 15 seconds. Yeah. Stop it right now. I know that's serial killer vibes, and I'm sorry, but I just, I don't know why, but I do. <laughs> if you're listening, please comment and let me know. Do yeah. you carry your passport? <laughs> because here's why I say that. Uh, Aaron and I are famously finally going on our Relics and Ravioli trip. Right. And one of the people going on the trip just realized, <gasps> cannot find their passport. Oh, no. And they're having to drive to another state to get to a passport to, in order to get a passport. So no. That's why I say, like, my passport is in the same place in my house 
And I, I took it out the other day because I had to fill out a form and it asked for the date my pass. And then I immediately was like, take it right back. Take it yeah. right back right now to the place. See, it that's why I keep it on me. I'm not, even tra- I'm not planning to travel anywhere, but I just want to know where it is at all times because it feels like such a well, – it's, it's an energy Florence. saver. It's you an energy saver because oh, okay. if I lose it, I don't know what will happen. I'll never leave the country again because it's ridiculous. Wow. Um, I, so we talked about Sandra Bullock working at a toll booth. Uh, $45 for a Christmas tree feels very cheap even in the 90s. You know, listen, it does feel cheap because I just paid $59 for a Christmas tree from the Boy Scout. To be and, and that's not even pre-lit, is it? No, it's not pre-lit. I'm surprised. I, I never understand where the bougie Jamie ends and where it begins. No, because no, no. pre-lit, this, if you go pre-sliced fruit, you're not going to go pre-lit Christmas no, tree? No, I would 100%. No, I don't. This is not a Christmas tree for inside my house. This oh. is all my neighbors. We, at my, I've learned, and I was in the group text and they, listen, they literally said to me in this group text, hey, we're picking up the Boy Scout. Christmas trees and delivering them. How many rebar does everybody need? And I was like, hey, hypothetically, if you were yeah. in the neighborhood and you didn't know what a rebar was, how many would you get? <laughs> what? They were, and they were like, we'd get two and I'll bring it. And then one neighbor was like, and I don't even know who these people are in the text thread because it's so sweet because they're just people I haven't met yet. And somebody goes, I'll bring a sledgehammer and I'll put your rebar in. So you, everybody puts a tree in their front yard. No, no. Yep. Somebody's yep. got to stop. Somebody's got to stand up for justice and say, I'm not doing that. Okay. Somebody, I'm, I'm sorry to say this. Some, somebody's got to say, F them kids. Okay. Somebody's got to do it. And I thought you'd been the brave person ki- to do that. But it's for the kids walking to the school and they see all the Christmas trees in the yard. No, it's not. They don't care. They don't care. The, the, one time that's nice. And then forever, the, it just blends in with listen, the rest. Immediately, I was like, do I asked the neighbor that I know the best. I was like, do we put lights in the tree? And she was like, yeah, you put lights in the tree. You put lights in the tree. Okay. So like, so we're financing the Boy Scouts having to settle all their sexual abuse uh, <laughs> lawsuits. That's what we're doing here. Don't Interesting neighborhood like we got there. It's not the Homewood Boy Scouts. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't understand where the muggers came from. Uh, on the on the platform because Wait, you don't understand where muggers come from. No, it's like nobody's there because it's Christmas, and she makes a whole deal of that because it's like, that's oh, a there's a happy family. No, that's a perfect time to mug people. I mean, yes, but also no because you're the only people there. So if she if they had come through, she would have been like, that's weird. There's two people, and now there's Mister Handsome, and now they're mugging him. I know exactly who they are. It just it felt like they just apparated out of nowhere. Uh, I also didn't feel like the train was slowing down. Like it was like, hey. And I know it stopped, but it didn't feel like the guy was urgently like, I've got to stop this train or I'm going to kill these two people. Well, I listen, I will argue that I feel like in terms of subway deaths, most notably uh, House of Cards, I won't say who it is yeah, in case you've never seen it. One of the best deaths on TV of all time. Yeah, I've, Honestly, that was 1,500 years was. ago. So you and Kevin know. Spacey's gone through like 16 lawsuits. So you can go ahead and spoil <laughs> that, I would say. That's right. But I always think, oh, those trains, like they, DGAF, they are <laughs> not stopping. Like they're just not stopping. They're not. They're not. Uh, I had an issue with teeth caps or $600 a tooth, but a Christmas tree is $45. I looked this up and currently – Low end, it's six hundred dollars a tooth. So I don't know what it would have been in the nineties. It oh, would have been six hundred. Listen, that's funny because I went to a, a cosmetic dentist and they were like veneers. So that's different thing. Well, I mean, I think veneers are caps, right? I don't know. The, I don't veneer, know the vernacular ven- of dental veneers stuff. Veneers are a thousand dollars a piece. Yeah, th- this one said uh, for dental caps, it's six hundred to, uh, to twenty five hundred, depending on what dentist you got to. Yeah. So all the veneers that Matthew Perry got, like when oh, all his teeth fell out from drugs, yeah. he those were expensive. That you think he, he had enough money paid- for that? Oh, yeah. He got that friend's money. That was like 10 seconds of a friend's episode one time that week. You know, Uh, I I didn't like it that the nurse uh, warned Jack and Lucy that they were going to get wazzy when she was taking their blood. That's just not a word. No, it's not. And that's a different nurse. The nurse in the hospital that starts all the confusion. Yeah. John Travolta's sister. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. I liked her. I really liked her vibe. Yeah. Uh, There's a couple making on the bridge when Bill Pullman and and Lucy are making their walk back to the apartment. Yes. Um, And he's like seven feet eight. And she's like a normal sized person. And I just don't understand why we couldn't have gotten a regular size. Because he has to bend down to either like snuggle her or make out with her neck. That must be somebody's cousin. But one of my best friends, her husband is like a full foot taller than her. A full foot. And that's fine for them. I just don't be in my movie. I don't want to watch you. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Not interesting. Okay, yeah, uh, if Bill Pullman is so cold, uh, why didn't he just freaking zip his za- jacket up? Did you notice that? Just yeah. zip it up, bro. Keep the heat in. Listen, Bill Pullman, he took one thing from the set and it was that jacket. I saw that. And he still I wears know, it to this day. Sweet? It's incredible. Um, we talked about the creamy mashed potatoes and the chubby blondes. Is that the name? Is that the name of your sex tape? Creamy, creamy potatoes and chubby blondes? It's, it's not a good sex tape. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> it's not a good one. Do you think it's reasonable? I wish we could do like Lifeline. Like who wants to be a millionaire? I wish we could call a friend and be like, would it be reasonable for your family to make your brother's fiance kiss the other brother 
just because they happened to be under mistletoe. Listen, there are some mistletoe purists out there that are like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're old and young. It doesn't matter what you prefer, what you love the most, who you love the most. It doesn't matter. You have to kiss under the mistletoe. I just, I would laugh at someone who tries to make me kiss another person that I'm not romantically entangled with just because of a stupid tradition. I would laugh in their face and I'm surprised they didn't. Ridiculous. You would would Irish goodbye so fast. Oh, I I don't know. What is, what is the opposite of Irish? What is like the aggressive? Is it like the Turkish goodbye where I'm just like, I'm out, get out of here. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, Best quote from this movie for you. Listen, it, uh, it's either, okay, it's either, I'm sorry, I don't drink anymore. I don't drink any less either. What a, what a line. What a (laughs) haymaker. What a beautiful line. Or it could be, Argentina has great beef. Beef and Nazis. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Read the boys Brazil. It's such a random, like, and then of course, Ashley, it's Ashley, right? It's the quote about Ashley Martin Bacon. Yeah. You want, what is, what'd she call me? One testicle, uh, B word? One bald. One bald. Yeah. One bald. One bald. That's good. Well, and then when they talk about her. They say, all I know, she was pretty high and mighty for someone named after breakfast meat. <laughs> How dare they? So uh, I liked um, I like mass better in Latin. It's better when you don't know what they're saying. I just think that's a really good line, especially <laughs> right. about religion. Sometimes it's just better. Yeah. Um, uh, let's recast one role and why. This okay. was hard because I feel like this was pretty well cast. No, this is a beautifully well cast. And, and I feel like they served every actor well by letting them all have moments where they get highlighted. And like Joe Jr., mm-hmm. like everybody gets a win in this movie. But if I wanted to bring, and I don't want to recast Saul, but this was who I decided. Oh, wow. I know. And I wouldn't because I really love him. But I mean, he's won two Academy Awards, I think. But he, Saul, I would recast him with James Earl Jones. I like the idea of a family friend that's widowed being Darth Vader also. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And the guy who has the dog in Sandlot. That's right. That's exactly right. There's some versatility there. Yeah. I'm going to go. I would like to recast Ashley Bartlett Bacon. I think that I think we can improve that. I think we can do better there. Okay. I, and I want to. Um, I had a couple candidates, and I'm going for the more severe, polished, patrician. Um, uh, come from money, come from Ivy League to really uh transpose against Sandra Bullock's character. You know, so I had Madeline Stowe, I had Heather Locklear, I had Annette Bening, I had Julie Dreyfus, and I, I think the one I would want to do is uh, is it Ward? I think Seal Award. I think Seal Award was the one I would choose there. No, I like Seal Award. Of course, she's from Alabama, so I would vote for her always. Yeah. Um, And then I also like, I weirdly like Annette Benning. Yeah. Yeah. Although I I do, I do think the actress that did this, Allie Walker, she did a good job. She's fine. She's fine. But I think it's, uh, you can tell it's a small role because you don't get the actress to really come in and bring, because it's such a late edition, like, oh my God, is that Ashley Bartlett Bacon's music? You know, and right. you expect to be wowed. And then it's like, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's you. I think you were on House one time. So I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed with her. Yeah. Um, any fun facts? Okay. So many fun facts. So we mentioned who was almost cast as Lucy. Well, for Jack, they wrote it. The screenwriter said they wrote it for Dennis Quaid. Like when they were writing it, that's who they were thinking of. Wow. Which I, think, I know. Which I, I think like at that. The time, I like that. Harrison Ford, of course, signed up. He does Sabrina instead. Russell Crowe auditioned. The director vetoed him immediately. Wow. Okay. There's Fair. nothing. There's nothing about Russell Crowe that says tender. And there's nothing warm. Struggling. There's nothing yeah, warm. There's nothing warm. Um, and then Matthew McConaughey auditioned, but they were like, <laughs> "This is what they said." He had a Texas accent, and none of us could rewrite the movie to take place in Texas or explain why he was in Chicago. <laughs> That's a failure. I, w- I would have loved to see Matthew McConaughey in this. <laughs> That's right. And then the screenwriters they wrote Peter when they imagined it. It was Pierce Brosnan the whole time. Okay. Which I actually don't hate that. That's also oh, I, don't, I love that. Yeah. No. Um, and then the screenwriting, they said, uh, this all came, this movie came from the team said, I remember at the time Dan was married and I was having trouble getting a date. I said something like, I'm such a loser. I couldn't even get a date with a woman in a coma. And immediately we started writing the script. Wow. So I like that it comes from something random like that. Because doesn't the, the, the testicle joke, the subline, that's from a real story. Yes, like, yeah, yeah, that somebody that really had that happen to them. And then uh, they, you know, it's funny. I agree. In the oral history, they talk about why is this not a more iconic Christmas film? And I agree with that. Why is this not? Yeah. I think this is a very iconic Christmas film. And they did not write it in the original script you read. It wasn't at Christmas, was it? No, it didn't didn't play on it. And even um, Jack... Uh, Jack. Yeah, Jack. Jack. Yeah. Uh, I blanked on his name for a second. He doesn't want to be a furniture maker. He wants to open a restaurant. <gasps> no. Yeah. It's uh, it's like the something Mountain View. 
even though there's no mountains. Oh. And she's like, why, there's no mountains in sh- in here. And he's like, I don't know. It'll separate us. So it's a little wobbly. It'll it's a little bit wobbly us. in the script. Um, like Twin Peaks? No. That's yeah. That's not good. Yeah. Okay. Well, so they said that uh, the studio wanted it set during the holidays so it would be easier to sell. And then it came out in April. Okay. Great job, guys. Guys, good I don't job. know what you're doing. Okay. And then uh, Peter's apartment. Uh-huh. So when we go into Peter's apartment – Immediately, I was like, this time watching it. for the, So watching it this time, I went, oh, that's Station Eleven. Is that that's what I thought, too. And it is. It's the exact apartment Shut building. Shut your mouth. I know. Are you I know. serious? Yes. And so it's also where Meet the Parents had an apartment fil- uh, scene filmed. And then Divergent, it is shown as an abandoned building kind of overlooking you know, what? I know. Um, and then famous people who've lived in – this is uh, Lake Point Apartments. The uh, famous people who've lived there include Sammy Sosa, okay. Alice Cooper – Okay. Goldie Hawn and uh, Kurt Russell and Mickey Rooney. That's a very wild list of I know. people. And then when they fall, of course, it was fall, but they said it was in the 70s. They filmed between October and December, and they were adamant that it. everybody was like, oh, it'll be perfect. Like, you know, there'll be no leaves on the trees. And, of course, it was a, they had a warm season. <laughs> and uh, so they had, to, they had to make acrylic ice in front of her apartment that they okay. could have that scene on. And he said uh, there was no stunt – like, it was us literally falling. And he said at one point, he said, gee, Sandy, did you hit your hip? <laughs> and that she never complained. And so. Because even like on the ice, it feels like you can tell it's on like a canvas of some type. It's not like on grass or sidewalk. There's like a gray underbelly to the snow. We're like, what is, why is this here? That's right. Why is this here? So, uh, and then the coat, this is just a sign. The coat she wears that's oversized, You, if you pay attention at the beginning, it's the coat that her dad is wearing. I, I like that. And I like, um, I, I don't know the psychology of this, but it does feel like Jack very much looks like a doppelganger for her dad, right? And I know that's intentional. Oh, yeah. But I don't know what the psychology is there. Uh, I also had, um, Michael Raspoli, who plays Joe Jr., he was who HBO wanted to be Tony Soprano. No uh, way. He was the leader. And then, um, uh, no. I can't remember. David Chase was like, no, it's got to be James Gandolfini. And that's how he lost out. He, he eventually gets cast as Jackie April, uh, a much smaller role in Sopranos, but missed out wow. on the chance for a lifetime. Wow. What yeah. a miss. What a miss. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. Um, okay. Grade the movie. Well, I love it. I love this film. I love, I, I, again, I, all the reasons that I set up at the beginning, I just think this is, it's almost a, like I said, I think it's almost a perfect film for me. And so I'm going to give it a 98. 98. Okay. 98. That is almost perfect. That's literally almost perfect. Yeah. Um, okay. I, here's what I liked. Uh, cause I mentioned the miscommunication plot line. You can take or leave that for me. I, I like, I'll, again, degree of difficulty. What is this trying to do versus what does it actually do? I feel like it really accomplishes it because, you know, something we've talked a lot about is how sometimes you can take the edges off characters who in lesser hands can be played to be almost like farcical tropes. Of themselves. And I'm thinking of the James Marsden character in the notebook. There is a way to play people to where they are not all benevolent and they are not all malevolent. They can be a version of gray. And I think Saul's a good example of this because he seems like this really um, well-placed godfather, literal godfather type character. But he's also – you can't tell if he's a little uh, hesitant or reticent to upset the apple cart or does he know that Sandra Bullock is just what this family needs and it's like a great addition to them. I don't know and I like that nuance. So I like – that we get a scene where Jack wants to make furniture instead of uh, do estate sales. And instead of his dad freaking out and that being a whole B-plot, his dad's like, that's great. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. You have your own thing. And it doesn't mean much to the story, but I think it means much for the atmosphere of the story. It makes you want to like this more. It makes you want to root for these people more because they're, they're, um, they're, they're caretakers of these small moments between themselves where it validates your feelings of affection for them. So for that reason, I want to go, I'm going to go 98, 91.5. Oh, that's so good. Well, and listen, for a movie that's an hour 43. That, I'm so glad you brought that up. I meant to say that. But God, you guys, what a tight, nice movie. You Ew. know, the, the script is, uh, it, it would have been right at like over two hours. There's no reason for this oh, to be over two hours. No. There's no reason. And the fact that they put as much in it, they built those relationships, they told those stories, you understood how close all of these people were with, again, like you said, you were able to show us, not tell us, and mm-hmm. you did it in a really tight amount of time. God, unbelievable. Yeah. So thankful that it's hour 43 instead of 248 because you don't, you just don't, <laughs> movies don't need to be 248. It's ridiculous. They do not. They do not. They do not. Okay, so that was uh, Jamie's birthday cinema side piece. We'll be back <gasps> next month with For your uh, birthday. Man, you know, there was a moment last night where I was like, I'm going to do contact. Contact's going to be my birthday choice. <laughs> 
thinking of Matthew McConaughey. Listen, Contact is a great film. Do not sleep. I, listen, it's chaotic. Yeah. But there are really nice moments in it. I almost, I'll, I'll talk to you guys off here about this, but I almost want to save it to do something for the Bible binge with it. Because I feel like it's more home in the Bible. Oh, binge. no, it is a perfect sacred cinema. So I think yeah. instead I'm going to go similarly as sacred. We're going to go uh, the wedding, wedding crashers. Wedding, We're crashers. Go full wedding crashers. I'm really excited. Nothing says Christmas. And, right. and I mean that like I rather would not. Uh, I don't consume a ton of Christmas movies at yeah. Christmas. I really like because now I was like, OK, well, now I've, I've watched while you were sleeping. So I'm good for this. You're good. Year. Like, you've, I'm you've good. Hit it. But I yeah. like wedding crashers because you just want to have you want to go. Look, I wish someone would crash this Christmas party that we're having. Yeah. And great? it's like it's one movie for, I don't know, 80 percent of it. And then it's a very different movie for 20 percent of it. So we <laughs> will talk about it. So um, as always, I'm not Jimmy. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.